Good morning, Soma Fredoy family and friends. There's an old skit online by, with an actor by the name of Bob Newhart that perfectly captures what many people think is the solution to fear and anxiety. Many of us know Bob Newhart as Papa Elf from the movie Elf. You may know him from something else. So I just want you to imagine Papa Elf as a counselor sitting across from a woman who's deathly afraid of being buried in a box. After asking some clarifying questions, he goes about explaining to her that the payment plan is $5 for the first five minutes and everything after that will be free. Confused but excited, the woman pays him and now is waiting excitedly for the counselor to tell her what she needs to do with her fears. So the counselor sits there says you're gonna these are two words that you need she asks, do I do I need to get a notepad no no most people are able to handle these two words and remember them very well he sits there she's excited she's waiting what is this man of wisdom and insight going to say about her fears and her anxiety stop it at the top of his lungs he yells at her to just stop it over and over again. You're fearful? Stop it. As if yelling and just telling you to mentally stop doing something is the reason why you're going to do it. Many people take that as the way in which we deal with our own fear and anxiety. Now, I want to be very honest. What we're talking about in this passage, what Jesus is speaking on, when he says to not be anxious, he's not talking about the uh, mental fears that is sp uh, spurred on by medical or chemical um, imbalances. This isn't that type of anxiety. He's speaking around uh, your fears and understanding about how you will be taken care of. Now those other anxieties are legitimate. Many times it's running into our own story that Jesus himself desires to bring healing to. But for the sake of this passage and at this time, we're looking at this and asking the question, what does God have to say about how I will holistically be provided for. In the passage itself, in verse 25, Jesus says, don't be anxious about your life or your body. This is your psyche in the Greek for life, and your body is your soma. What he's saying is, how are you from a holistic standpoint, physical needs, emotional needs, spiritual needs, where do you think your provision for that is coming from? How will you get what you desire and what you need? What is Jesus' response? It's that the gospel leads us to a non-anxious, carefree, fully present and on mission life in the kingdom of God. And so as we see in this passage, Jesus does use the term anxious six different times. And in that, three of them are commands. Do not be anxious or don't be 
anxious. Many of us have this understanding of when Jesus is saying, don't be anxious, it's as if Papa Elf is yelling, stop it at us. Just don't do that. And that's not what Jesus is doing here. Jesus actually is giving us the reason why we don't have to be anxious. And if our hearts can understand why and what for and when, as he addresses all of those in this passage, if we can reorient our life around that new why, anxiety will solve itself because we will have the ability to rightly focus in the ways that he's calling us to focus in this passage. So let's address this first point. Why are we able to be free from anxiety, anxiousness, concern about how I will be provided for holistically? We can be free from anxiety because number one, God is our provider. God is our provider. In this passage, Jesus uses what's known as the lesser to greater argument. He gives two examples. He first focuses on food with birds, and then he focuses on clothing with flowers. In that first one, um, what he's trying to help us understand is that where do the birds get their provision from? Well, they don't have to work for it. They don't have to. Um, they don't have to sow, nor do they reap, nor do they gather in barns, as it says in verse twenty-six. What what happens? Their heavenly Father feeds them, and He feeds you, um, and He cares for you, and values you more than them. So if he cares for the birds this way, how much you of more value will he provide for? This is directly related to your understanding of the very nature and characteristics of what God is like. Do you believe that God is stingy? Remember, in this passage for Jesus is coming right out of him saying, don't lay up for your treasures on earth where moss and dust destroy, but lay up uh, yourselves treasures in heaven that are eternal, that we're um, the, not to be stingy as he talks about in verses 24 through 23 of this chapter. And then we either are serving God or we're serving money. That's our heart posture, our worship that he's addressing. Out of that, as we rightly worship God and have a right view of God, comes how we're going to be provided for. And when we think of God, is he a stingy God or is he a generous God? He was just talking about in verses 22 and 23. Is God stingy or is God generous? How you view God will determine how you live your life. If you think he's stingy, you're not going to go to him for your needs. You're going to think that it's all on you, that he doesn't care, he doesn't provide. It's all up to you and your own work ethic, so you better tie your bootstraps tighter and get to work. But what if, if you think that, what if God is actually a generous God? What if he's kind? And what if, at the end of all of it, he actually cares 
for you. Peter, who was present when Jesus gave this sermon, was writing an epistle, and in his own letter, his epistle, he says it this way. He tells his listeners, casting all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. Do you have a picture of God the Father who looks at you longingly and lovingly, wanting your good? For many years, I had to work through my own picture and my own understanding of what God was like. I did have a picture of God being sent to that. It was up to me I, that I had to prove it or I had to earn it. But as I've gotten to, into a deeper heart of not only this sermon, but the very heart of God, I've started to see that no, that's not true. He's not stingy. He is a generous because he is a caring God. He says you are of more value than those that he takes care of so you can be rest assured that he will care for you. Just pause for a second and let me say that again and think deeply in your heart. God cares for you. God provides for you. He looks at you longingly and lovingly. And it's all, for those of us in Christ, it's not because of what we've done or that we've earned it. And if you're wrestling with, well, I haven't done enough or I haven't done that, here's the beauty of the gospel of Jesus. It's not that we've earned it. It's that God in his very love did it on our behalf. We ultimately see the care and kindness and generosity and love of God as Jesus died on the cross in place of your and my sin. He graciously extended, knowing we can't live up to it, knowing we can't forgive our own sins or be in right relationship with him, that he did it fully on our behalf because he loves you and me. So if you do not profess faith, let me hear you say, let me say this to you, excuse me. Jesus loves you and he died for you. And if he died for you, how much more will he provide for you? Brothers and sisters in Christ, you are in Christ. As Jesus was told, this is my son whom I'm well pleased, the father looks at you in the same way because you are in Christ. He loves you, not because of what you've done or how hard you worked. He loves you because he, he desires you. He chose you. He wants you. So when it comes to how we think about our paychecks and we think about how we're going to be taken care of or where our meals are coming from, we can rest assured that God himself provides. And he is a good dad who wants to give us good gifts. Now this results in not careless living, but carefree living. Let me explain that. Careless living is, oh, God's going to provide. I can be foolish with everything. I'm going to go put everything on my my credit card. I'm going to get all that I want and desire. And I'm expecting God to be like a vending machine. I want this. Therefore, he cares for me. He should give that to me. 
Now, that's not what he's saying here. That's going to the other end of the extreme. Verse 32 says that the Father knows that you need them all. Now, you may want some more, but God is going to provide you what you need, not just what you think you need. There's an old Star Wars satire movie where the princess in the movie was a little bit of a snob, and they land on a desert planet, and the two... Um, main characters are dragging around this huge, large suitcase. Um, at one point, they trip, and out come in the suitcase comes this gigantic um, hair dryer. And they look at her and say, We told you to only bring what you need to survive. And the princess looks at them and says, I can't live without it. God is not a provider that's going to give you all these luxurious things just because. He's going to provide the things that you need and he knows what's best for you. You can cast your cares and anxieties on him because he cares for you. He knows what you need. He looks at you lovingly. So before we move on to this next portion on um, being free from anxiety for something and in this present moment, that we can be non-anxious, fully present on mission with Jesus. Before we go into that portion, we're going to pause and I want to give you an opportunity like we have in the past to have a brief discussion with those that are present with you. If you're alone, I invite you to journal in prayer for a few minutes. And as we come to a close, you'll see the countdown coming to an end and I'll invite you back in and we'll finish the remainder of our time together. I want to welcome you back together. While you were having that conversation, I decided to mix it up and get a little bit of a change of scenery. For those of you that are wondering, yes, this is real. Now, the idea of using a fake background does give me some ideas for the future, but we'll just go ahead and let that happen when it happens. So we just talked about that we can be free from anxiety. We can be free from being anxious about provision because God is our provider. He cares for us. He loves us. It's the reason why we don't have to be anxious. We don't have to try hard to not be anxious. We can rest in the provision and kindness of God. But when we're free from that, now the question is, what are we free for? That's where Jesus goes in verse 33. We can be free from anxiety about provision so that we can be free for God's mission. We can be free for God's mission. This is what it says in verse 33. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. So Jesus is saying, instead of focusing your eyes and and fixing yourself on how I'm going to be provided for. Now it's time to seek over and over again is the word seek. It's not a one-time thing. It's a continual lifestyle. Seek first, primarily, not necessarily sequentially, one, two, three. It's more like, no, seek first, primarily, his kingdom and his righteousness. Then all those things will be added to you. And so, so we don't have to seek and worry about what God has provided. Now we're going to seek and be part of his kingdom and his righteousness. 
Now his kingdom, as we've talked about throughout the Sermon on the Mount, is his rule and reign. It's his leadership, his kingdom. It's not Caesar as Lord, Jesus as Lord. This is what life looks like in his kingdom. And his righteousness, and this is a continuation of what Jesus has been teaching throughout the Sermon on the Mount. We've seen him talk about his righteousness twice in the Beatitudes. For instance, verse 5 of chapter 5, verse 6. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Verse 10, blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness sake. He says when he's talking about how he came to fulfill the law in five chapter, uh, chapter 5 verse 20, unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and Pharisees, you will not enter the kingdom of God. And he warns them in the beginning of chapter 1, beware of practicing your righteousness before people in order to be seen by them. That's what He's talking about hypocrisy. And so hip, righteousness has two sides to it that are equally important. It is both right standing before God and it is right living in his kingdom. Righteousness is right standing. And the un, idea that we are by nature sinful, we rebel against Jesus. We rebel against the giver of life. And so we need to be in right standing with God. And we, so the only way that happens is by placing our faith in Jesus. His life, death, or resurrection. The Bible says we are justified by faith. We are made right with God, have a right standing before a holy God that now we are now children, sons and daughters of the Most High God. That's right standing. That only happens by placing our faith in Jesus. And I, as I was praying this week, I, I want to uh, bury this one in deep into our hearts. I believe there's somebody listening to this sermon that needs to hear that Jesus loves you, died for you, and wants to offer his graciousness to you. You may have been striving for so long to know if God accepts you and loves you. You may have been pursuing all different types of beliefs or whatever to find out if you are standing right before God. And what I want to say to you is you can have right standing before God because Jesus loves you. He died for you and he graciously offers you his life. He took your sin and he paid for it on the cross. So that's the right standing before God, placing our faith in him and now been given his righteousness. We have a right way of, of being before God. But that right standing isn't all there is to righteousness. This is righteousness lived out. That's where he's saying, don't, um, unless your righteousness exceeds that, we are right standing before God. Now we can live rightly. Don't practice our right living before others so that we can be seen. This is a way of life. So this right living in the kingdom of God is so that the name of Jesus can be fully glorified in our midst. We as image bearers of God are designed to reflect God to the world. And now as image bearers who have been redeemed and have right standing, this right living is projecting the goodness and glory of Jesus in every area of all of our life. That's what we mean by mission, of making disciples, having these image bearers formed more into the image of Jesus. 
that's the freedom that we have from worried about provision so that we can live for God's mission. And this is in every moment of every day. We can have our eyes set on what does Jesus have for me today? What, who is he calling me to? What is he inviting me into? And I want to emphasize this for some of you. People are desperately in need of Jesus. You are desperately in need of Jesus. And you are desperately needed for the work of Jesus' mission. I, I've spoken with a lot of people um, when they hear that I'm a, a pastor or that I'm a church leader. They, they think that I'm a minister and they're not. Now, I know that that's not our ethos among Soma, but let me just emphasize it this way. You are an unbelievably important and valuable part of the mission of Jesus. So why I love the imagery of the body of Christ. If you are not working the way that God has designed you in amongst the body of Christ for the sake of those that don't yet believe, we all suffer. Let me even take it a little bit more practical. If in your missional community, you are so worried about your provision, what's going to happen next, or, or your paycheck, or whatever it may be, that you withdraw from your missional community, now your whole MC is going to begin to suffer. You are an intricate part of the body of Christ. And it's not just as a family, but it's also for the sake of mission. Your friends who do not yet believe need you. Now, they don't need you to be Jesus. Only Jesus can be Jesus. But they need you to be dependent upon the Spirit. They need you to be empowered. They need you to proclaim the goodness of Jesus to their lost and brokenness that all of us have. There are so many wounds and, and sad things that happen in this world that are devastating to people. And our hope is Jesus. You are needed. You are valuable. Not only to live as family as your, and your MC, but for the sake of Jesus' mission. Don't ever begin to think that you don't play a significant part in Jesus' mission. You are needed. And so why is he inviting you? It's just because he desires you in a relationship with him and to be on his mission. And so we can be free from anxiety of being provided for, for the sake of mission. And when we do that, when we, by faith, do what Jesus is calling us to, our faith is built up and we can build our trust in his provision. A few years ago when we were um, part of a church here in Federal Way and we felt called to Soma Tacoma to be equipped in church planting, um, it was a, a big risk for us. I took a huge pay cut. Um, Darianne had to start working at a private school. Um, then she went on bed rest because of the stress of that. And we, like, we, I was experienced a paycheck to paycheck living. And, it was, and yet, in the midst of all that, we came to discover how much God provided for us. 
He provided through a community garden in my neighbor's uh, friend's backyard, Nikki's backyard. And it was such a gift. And in putting ourselves out there and not knowing what would happen next, we realized that God really does care and provide for us. We didn't suffer. We were provided all of our needs. And there's many stories of people that take those steps of faith, that follow Jesus even if it doesn't make sense. And they realize God's provision for them. So I don't know what that step of faith is for you. I don't know what that means for you. The Spirit's going to have to awaken your heart to that. But let me tell you that God is your provider. He's freed you and He's wanting to free you from the anxiousness of caring about those things so that you can primarily focus on His kingdom and His mission. So are you so consumed with your provisions that you're deterred from seeking God's kingdom? Are there fears or anxieties holding you back from going head first into serving Jesus in community on his mission? So in this passage, we see that we are free from anxiousness because God is our provider. We're free from anxiousness of our provisions so that we could be on Jesus' mission. Now the question is where? That is what verse 34 talks about. And it said, we can be free, free from anxiety to be fully present. This is what verse 34 says. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient is for, excuse me, sufficient for the day is, is its own trouble. In a lot of ways, this is the summary of all that's taken place of chapter 6 in the Gospel of Matthew. Jesus isn't teaching here, hey, that anxiety, deal with it tomorrow. He's saying, no, you don't have to be anxious at all. You can be fully present in this moment. I'm the type of person, I'm a future thinker. I like to know what's happening next. I like to think about all the different things. And that was really highlighted in the beginning of the COVID-19 pandemic. All the news that was coming at us rapidly. There was so much happening. And I, trying to figure out and project what it would mean and all those different things. And it, I realized that I was living so much in the future that I wasn't living in the present. This is something that Jesus has to remind me of all the time. Be in the present. And I think that this is the invitation that Jesus is inviting us here to. He's saying, don't worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow's got enough things going on. Today is the day that he's given you. Now I know with COVID-19, there's so much change happening. And for those of you that are parents, you're acutely feeling this. Wondering about what's happening with school. Wondering about what it's going to look like. Um, for those of us that want to live on mission, we're wanting to go to the next phase. Because in the next phase, it's easier to live on mission. And so whatever it may be, what Jesus is reminding us of in this passage is be presence it's this moment and while you may think that the next moment is what God is going to allow for you to be able to do all these things what Jesus is saying is no right now is the one that he's giving you be present right here if you think mission will be easier in the next phase no mission is what Jesus is calling to you right now family to love one another right now, even if we can't be with one another like we desire to. This is the moment to be present in this. If you're a parent, 
thinking about what's next for your kids, that's not a bad thing to be present, but to think about that. But the invitation is to be present right here, right now. This is the moment that the Spirit is leading you to and empowering you for. He never leaves us nor forsakes us. We can be present in this moment because Jesus is present with us here by His Spirit right now. And so I don't know what fears and anxieties you are. Are you personally looking so looking forward to the next stage of the governor's phasing that you aren't living on mission in the present one? Are you so concerned about what's going to happen next? Are you so worried about the next p- phase of this pandemic that it's limiting you from living um, as God, by God being your provider on his mission right now? See, as we've seen, the gospel leads to a flourishing, carefree, non-anxious, and fully present life on mission in his kingdom. All of this is only available because of the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. We can be present in this moment because Jesus is present with us because he's risen from the dead. We can be alive in this moment on his mission and free from anxiousness because Jesus, who is perfectly God, perfectly man, died in our place for our sins so that you and I could be made right with God and right standing with him and now live rightly empowered by the spirit of God on his mission. So let me close our time in prayer and send us as a family uh, so we can be free from anxiousness about God providing for us. We can live fully in the moment and on his mission in community together this week. Father, we thank you for this time. Thank you that you are our provider. You are a good, kind, loving dad. That you've empowered us by your spirit to be on your mission. To care for those. To be utilized by you in this family of God for the sake of those that don't yet believe. Father, I do pray for those that have yet to place their faith in Jesus, that his life was lived perfectly in submission to you as he extended his kingdom and brought about your your rule and reign, that his death fully paid the penalty of our sin. It expressed your love for us, and he rose again victorious over all the sin, all the brokenness, all the evil in the world and gives us a promised future hope that one day when you renew and restore all this creation, we can walk with you embodied together in the way that life was always meant to live. And the life that you've called us to is a foretaste of that here and now. So I pray for whoever that is that needs to profess faith in you, that by listening to this in this moment right now, they do that. And for my brothers and sisters, that we can live fully present, empowered by your Spirit to listen intently to the person with me that's with us right now. We can sit across the table from whoever it may be and love them and listen as you, Jesus, do to us. So, Father, we thank you for all this we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, family. We love you, and we'll see you next week.